Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Hey, Noodle. Yeah? Noodle, come here. Okay. I got a question for you. Okay. Come closer. Okay. What do you call two witches that live together? I don't know. What do you call two witches that live together? Broommates. That sucked. <laughs> that, that was really bad. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host and my name is Steven and I have nothing clever to say. Usually I, you know, I, I I do this every time and I'm sure you're sick of me saying it, but there used to be a time when I would say, Hello and welcome to Just Another Fanboy, the only podcast that smells like cheese. You know, those kind of things. But every time I try to come up with something clever off the top of my head, it never works. So let me let me just try. Let me try it again. Okay, ready? Here we go. <coughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy, the only podcast with feet like a hobbit. That was that wasn't that bad, was it? Feet like a hobbit. Everybody should want feet like a hobbit. Just think of all the money you would save on shoes. Good lord, shoes are expensive. If you didn't have to wear shoes because you had big leathery soles on your feet and big patches of fur on the tops of your feet, uh, that would be amazing. Of course, you'd want to work hard at keeping your feet clean. You couldn't go to work and kick your feet up on the conference room table if you had, you know, mud all over your feet. Of course, the same could be said if you were wearing shoes. Let me let me try another, okay? If uh if if none of these work out, maybe I'll stick them at the end or maybe I'll leave them here at the beginning. Who knows? Here we go. Ready? Here we go. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy, the podcast that has Yeah, see nothing. Nothing. Anyway, I'm your host Steven. How's it going everybody? What's life got you working on right now? Pointless question because you can't answer. So well, why did I even ask it? So hey, I've got another question for you, except it's not a question. I don't know why I said that. I have been doing a lot of episodes recently regarding the WandaVision television show over on the Disney Plus, and it occurred to me, as I have been watching these shows and enjoying these episodes and having fun coming up with theories and trying to figure out where it's going next, it occurred to me that I have never in my life read the first appearance of Scarlet Witch, nor have I read the first appearance of The Vision. And I figured, hey, you got Marvel Unlimited. You really don't have an excuse for not reading these books because they are 
right there at your fingertips. And of course, you also do a series of episodes there on the old podcast called Firsts. So why are you not taking advantage of this award-winning show? There, I've called it. No awards have been given out yet, but I guarantee you the show is going to win some awards. Why not take advantage, man? Strike while the iron is hot and do a couple of firsts episodes about Scarlet Witch and the Vision. So this is my first one, Scarlet Witch. Now, the Scarlet Witch first appeared in the pages of Uncanny X-Men number four. Actually, I think it was just called The X-Men at that time. Issue number four from back in, good Lord, I didn't write it down, March of 1964. And having just read the book, I want to talk about it. And I'll be honest with you, it's going to be really hard for me to discuss what happened in this book without reading many direct passages straight from these pages. Because first of all, this was back in the day when unless the sentence ended in a question mark, it ended in an exclamation point. They just did. Every single freaking line in this book ends in an exclamation point unless it's a question. And sometimes it ends in two question marks if it's a question, which I'm assuming means a very exuberant question. I mean, even the the first page here is a splash page, and it says, X-Men, the most unusual teenagers of all time, exclamation point. And then the title of the issue, The Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, exclamation point. And then you get a little narration box that sets up what you're looking at here, which is very obviously the beast running through some kind of course in the danger room. But as this was issue number four, maybe folks weren't all that familiar with the danger room yet. I don't know how often they had used it in this series yet, you know, before issue number four. But what it tells you is you are gazing at a sight which few homo sapiens have ever been privileged to witness, the awesome danger room, where Professor Xavier trains his homo superior mutant students for the dangers which await them. Exclamation point. I'm telling you, every single line in this book, it's either a question mark or an exclamation point. And I do want to talk about these exclamation points here pretty quick. But first, let me just run down the credits. This was written by Stan Lee, or let me let me run it down the way it shows here on this page. Sensational script by Stan Lee. Dynamic drawings by Jack Kirby. Imaginative inking by Paul Reinman. Legible lettering by Art Simic. Those silly, silly bullpen boys. So I want to give you an idea of how silly it is really to have all the exclamation points because it makes you want to read it a certain way. So, for example, I'm going to read you just one panel out of this comic. And to set it up just a bit, Angel has been flying about and he spies a ship in the sea. And even from as high up as he is, he deduces immediately that it's deserted, which it is. I mean, I guess he didn't see any people about on the deck. So, of course, he would deduce that it's deserted, but it's moving at top speed. And he just kind of flies in to investigate it. He assumes it's being run by remote control by the Navy to use as a target ship. Then he flies away so he doesn't get caught in any of the bombs that they that the Navy may drop atop it. So he he uh, 
a few hours later, he arrives back at the X-Mansion and he is explaining his day or what he found out to Professor X. And at, he's, he's also, as he's doing this, Professor X is getting ready to take his blood pressure for some reason. So it says, minutes later, and Angel says, And that's about it, sir, except for sighting the ship with no crew, a pretty uneventful flight. To which Professor X responds, An unmanned ship propelled by remote control? Strange! I was unaware of any nautical artillery tests at the present time. And that's when Jean Grey, who's also there, <laughs> she's standing there just holding a tray with the lab equipment. Here is your lab equipment, sir. I mean, they're all just yelling at each other all the time. They're all so keyed up and just freaking excited. And I, th- I find it I find it very, very funny. So let's talk about what happens in this book. So we start with the X-Men each going through their paces in the danger room. And this is back in the day w- before Beast had his mutation, his his secondary mutation. So he's not the ever-loving blue-furred thing. He's just a regular-looking dude, except for he's got big feet. He's kind of shaped, kind of ape-like. Bobby, the Iceman, looks like a snowman. He doesn't look like he's covered in ice. It looks like he's covered in snow. And he's wearing boots, which I find very funny. Everything is covered in ice and snow except for his feet which he's wearing boots. I don't know why I find that funny. Um, so they're all doing their little things in the danger room and they're they're all going in separately and, and passing their little tests and doing their little exercises. And when it comes to Jean's turn, her test is fairly simple. He is wanting to, and by he, I mean Professor X, he's wanting to test her telekinetic powers to see how accurate they are, see if she can move things delicately and small items and not just hurl big things around. And so there's a box on this table and he tells her that he wants her to remove the lid and then reach inside with her telekinetic powers and pull out what is inside very delicately. And it happens to be a birthday cake because today he says, surprise, it's been one year since their class began. So since I guess he got them all together. So this is four issues in. It's already one year into the X-Men's history. Cyclops is using his power beam from his eyes to slice the cake. And they're all sitting around eating cake. That then is transitioned over to, well, here's what it says. But now we leave Professor Xavier's school for gifted youngsters and turn our attention to another group of mutants who are also seated at a table. Because again, exclamation point. But what a world of difference we shall find between these two superhuman groups. Because sitting around this table is Toad, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, and Mastermind. And they're, they're eating dinner and they're bickering at each other because, of course, they are villains. And villains don't get along. That's always been... The big thing with villains is that if you leave them alone, if you've got a team of villains and you leave them alone, they will eventually take each other out because evil consumes itself, basically. Well, they start bickering and they start fighting. Most specifically, it's Mastermind fighting with Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. And really it comes about because Mastermind is like, he he, he kind of, he's not really hitting on Scarlet Witch, but she she gets up at one point because they're, they're all bickering and she goes, I've had enough. I find your illusions as repulsive as the Toad's table manners. And the Mastermind just leans back and laughs. Ha, you are spunky, my little witch. I like that in a female. Someday I may even decide that you would be a worthy mate 
for Mastermind, which of course Wanda, the Scarlet Witch, doesn't doesn't appreciate that. How dare you speak to me that way? I'd sooner die than marry you. And she points her finger at him, and then off panel, Petro Quicksilver says, Wanda! Don't point your finger at him. You know that always causes a disaster to occur. And of course, a pitcher of water tips over and and splashes in in Mastermind's lap. So he's about ready to throw down with Wanda because, you know, how dare she? How dare she, first of all, just dismiss his intentions of her becoming his mate and then splash him with water. Oh, heck no. And so he gets up to throw down, and that's when Quicksilver steps in. And a matter of fact, she says, Quicksilver, to my side. And he comes running up. I've warned you never to threaten my sister. And just socks old mastermind in the jaw. Well, Toad tries to intervene. Well, not really. He's he's actually pretty happy. He's like, ha ha, do it. Destroy each other. Then when the leader returns, there will be only the two of us. We will rule the world together. Mastermind's response to that is, the leader? I had forgotten about him. And so they keep making references to the leader. Where is the leader? When will the leader be back? And that's when we transition to another scene to find out where the leader is. We are in the office of a large shipping line, and a couple of dudes are just sitting around, and one of them saying, have we received all the bids yet for that old ex-convoy freighter with the cannons on her deck? The other, the other one responds, yes, sir. The bids may be open now. They are all here. Except, again, all exclamation points. Yes, sir, he says. The bids may be open now. They are all here. He's just so excited that the bids are there. But that's when the leader walks in, Magneto. He has this plan. He, using his superior powers of magnetism, basically just, (laughs) he creates a simple band of magnetic force, which will keep the two of them inside the room so he can steal this freighter with all the guns on it. And using his, again, superior powers of magnetism, he controls every operation on the bridge of this vessel and takes it out to open sea. His big plan is to steal a ship with a bunch of guns on it. This is when Angel is, of course, flying out over the open sea. He sees the ship. He flies in closely, but he doesn't see that Magneto is aboard. And in fact, Magneto doesn't notice him out there. He he does see something. He says, something just flew by, but no sound of engines. Must have been a seagull. And that's when... Angel flies back to the X-Mansion, and I find it really funny that Professor Xavier just must be on top of all all events going on in the world, because when he explains to them that he found this ship that was running at top speed with no crew, that's when he says, Strange, I was unaware of any nautical artillery tests at the present time. Why would he know? Do they Do they publish that stuff in the papers? Maybe, I don't know, I guess he is just on top of all the things. So he's giving Warren, the angel, his blood test or his blood pressure test, tells him that his heartbeat is satisfactory, his blood pressure is normal. But there's just one thing that's disturbing old Professor X at this point, but it's not Angel. No, it's that freighter. He's been worrying about that freighter this whole time. He seems to sense something wrong, something strangely ominous, he says. Call it a hunch, if you will. 
So we go back to Magneto, the leader. He has arrived on a lonely, uncharted island in the Atlantic. That's where his team is waiting for him. Toad might as well be named Toady. He is so happy that Magneto is back. It's the leader. He's back. He's back. And he has a destroyer. He is just so freaking excited. Magneto, ever the comforting boss, tells him to stop his sniveling. And he goes in. And he he wants to go. He wants to talk to uh, Quicksilver and, and Scarlet Witch because Toad basically he narks on everybody. Oh, they were fighting while you were gone. You you should have been here because Mastermind he was gonna he was gonna hurt Scarlet Witch. And that's when Magneto's like, Oh heck no, not my Scarlet Witch. You don't do that to her. And so he goes in to to find out what's going on. He goes to talk to Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Quicksilver is angry. Right away, he's like, you don't scare us, Magneto. I'm taking my sister away from here. Magneto ba- says, nope, you can't do that. You owe me. And then we get a little backstory to find out how how he came to have Scarlet Witch and Petro on his team and why it is they owe, they owe him. Basically, <laughs> there's this little village in the heart of Europe who thought that she was a witch. And you just have this one panel where she is standing in front of a building, like the whole village is on fire. And these three villagers are pointing at her and they got pitchforks. And one of them says, we know you, you have the evil eye. And she says, no, no, please. And one of the other villagers says, she is a scarlet witch. Her power must be destroyed. So right away, just that guy just names her. She's a scarlet witch. What makes her a scarlet witch? Is it because she's wearing red? If she had been wearing green, if she had been wearing yellow, if she had been wearing some other color, would he have called her a different kind of witch? I don't know. You're assuming she's wearing red. This is colored in a just all flats. So the the villagers are basically like orange from head to toe and she is red from head to toe because she's a scarlet witch. And so then Magneto just swoops in. He's like, no, no, come no further, homo sapiens. And he just rescues her. Two panels is her backstory. And Petro's not even involved at all. Well, we go back to Professor X, who, if you remember, was feeling very concerned about that freighter, but apparently not all that concerned. He acted like he was. He felt like there was something just digging at his craw. He just, he couldn't even administer a blood pressure test without thinking about it the whole time. But apparently it quickly fled from his mind because when we get back to Professor X, it's days later and he's reading the newspaper and he's reading an article about how the a, a mysterious naval craft, the, the, the headline is Tiny Republic of Santo Marco shelled by mystery naval craft. So, that's their that's their plan. He he takes this ship full of weapons to a small tiny republic in South America, Magneto does and takes it over. Well, as he's as Professor X is reading this article, he just he just deduces just from reading it. He says, "Incredible. One lone freighter attacking an entire South American nation. Who would dare? Who except for the ones in hiding, the evil mutants?" And right away, he sounds the red alert. He's just so sure that this is happening because of mutants that he sounds the red alert. You see Hank, the beast, he's in his room and he's kicked back and he's reading a book while he's 
writing formulas on a chalkboard with his foot. Jean Grey, of course, is doing freaking yoga or some type of uh, exercises. And then I'm assuming this is Bobby listening to the radio and then Warren drinking the weirdest freaking milkshake I have ever seen. I don't know if this is a milkshake. I don't know what it is. It's in this giant freaking vase and it's sticking out. The, the, it's just this pink blob that's sticking out of the top of this vase looking thing that a good, it's, 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 it's as big as this freaking head, the ice cream or whatever it is that's sticking out of the top of this freaking vase looking thing is as big as this kid's head. He's either Bobby or he's Warren. I don't know, but it's a really weird page. So they all get together. They rush in after changing into their, your uniforms to find Professor X in his chair. And he seems to be asleep. No, he's not asleep. He is in a trance and he's saying out loud, well, Cyclops says to him, listen, you can hear him whispering. He's communicating with someone mentally. Well, he's whispering with exclamation points because he says, I knew you were trying to contact me, Magneto. That's me trying to whisper with exclamation points. I will never tell you where I am, but we can meet on a mental plane. Send me your thoughts and I will amplify them. So he meets Magneto. For some reason, Magneto's trying to reach out to him just to tell him, hey, uh, you're never going to stop us from enslaving humanity. Take that. And kind of thumbs his nose at him. That's that's pretty much it. Professor X wakes up and he tells the team what's going on and decides that they have to take action. Well, we go. We're back to the, the coast of Santo Marco. He hasn't officially taken over this tiny republic yet, but he has been shelling them. And when I say he, I mean Magneto, of course. He has been shelling them for I don't know how long he's been firing into the hills behind the city, and he's standing on the deck of the ship, shaking his fist at Santa Marco, and Toad is just bouncing up and down. Like I said, his name should be Toady. He's like, nothing can stop you, Magneto. You were born to rule. And then Mastermind, using his powers of illusion, creates what looks like a goose-stepping Nazi army to just march into town, and they're all, they're holding banners with the big letter M on them, and the whole town just gives up. And eventually, we don't know how long it takes, but eventually he is able to replace the fake soldiers with real soldiers from the citizens of this town who have just decided, well, you've taken us over. I guess I'll be a soldier in your army and do evil things for you and look like a Nazi. That's that's literally what happens. In the meantime, Professor X and his students arrive in a, in a nice car. They're driving into town and two of these soldiers stop them at a checkpoint. They're like, halt in the name of Magneto, show your identification. And this soldier is looking at their identification and he's saying out loud, hmm, an American professor and some students on a goodwill visit from America. And then in his head, he's thinking, we have orders to admit such visitors. The leader feels they can be fooled into thinking that he is a kind and beloved ruler. And then out loud, he says, you may pass. So he just lets him in. And as soon as they arrive, we we transition quickly to basically Magneto's throne room where he's punishing somebody who we assume has tried to start some kind of rebellion against Magneto. You dared try to arouse the people against me? Take him to the dungeon. And that's when he just realizes. He just suddenly, it just dawns on him because Mastermind starts talking to him and he cuts him off. Silence! They're here, the X-Men. I can sense it. 
The mental emanations of their leader are so strong that I can feel them in my brain. And so back at their at their room, wherever they're staying, the X-Men and their civvies are all gathered around a table. And with pen and paper, Professor X tells them of his plan, what they're going to do. And their plan consists of each one of them will attack the palace in their own way. This is what he actually says. This is how Magneto will be attacked. You will each approach his headquarters in a different way. That's it. That's the plan. I'm going to let that sit there for a second. Beast is first. He climbs up the side of a tower. There are some, a uh, couple of Nazi-looking soldiers sitting there, standing up there with their guns, and one of them says, It is a waste of time guarding Magneto. Who would dare attack the leader? And the other one says, You are right. All others tremble at the sound of the leader's name. Strange how he took over our entire government so sudden without firing a shot. And then they're just, eh, oh well. And, uh... Beast leaps over the wall and attacks them, but then suddenly Toad is there and he knocks him off the tower and the beast is hanging there from the from the tower wall. Beast starts tearing boulders out of the wall and throwing it up at Toad and Toad just jumps on top of each one and kicks it back down to him until eventually Mastermind shows up and creates the illusion that the, the side of the tower is now suddenly made of smooth glass and it freaks Beast out so much that he falls to his seeming doom in the meantime, at the other side of the castle, Angel is is attacking in his way, which is to fly around and let these soldiers shoot at him. At one point, he even says, boy, I'd sure like to be the one who sells them their bullets. I'd get rich overnight. And I thought he was already rich. Maybe he wasn't at this point. Maybe he wasn't at this point in the comic book, but he was he's rich. He's a rich dude. Well, he gets past the guards, but then Quicksilver shows up and starts, they start fighting and Quicksilver is just too fast for him. But Angel does the one thing that Quicksilver doesn't account for. He says, speed isn't the only thing that counts. And he goes flying down the hallway. Quicksilver is chasing him. And at the last moment, Angel flies out of the way and Quicksilver slams into a wall and knocks himself unconscious. But that's when Scarlet Witch shows up and she points at him. And the frickin' wall behind him collapses on top of him and knocks Angel out, and they are able to tie him up. Magneto shows up. He's really pleased that they've got the Angel. But then suddenly Colossus, from the other room, shoots an energy beam through the wall. I hope you excuse the interruption, folks. This is a special agent van... Can we turn that siren off, please? I mean, it's a mighty annoying, don't you think? Let's get that thing shut off. Can we do that? Can we get it shut off, please? Good. Again, please excuse the... Oh, good Lord. You know, there's a lot of static and hiss in this channel. Is that the best we can do? Really? We're one of the most powerful government agencies in the country, and you're telling me I have to put up with all this hiss and static in my signal? Well, it's embarrassing is what it is. Makes us sound like a bunch of darn amateurs. All right. All right. We work with what we have. I don't like it, but I can accept it because that's the kind of guy I am. Anyway, <clears throat> once again, folks, I do hope you pardon the interruption. I'm Special Agent Vance Sturkleton from the fictional organization for Podcasting Excellence, and we sure do hate busting in on shows like this, but I'm afraid that once again, the host here at Just Another Fanboy, Steven, well, he got one of his facts wrong. I mean, he's a repeat offender. And frankly, I'm surprised we ain't shut him down by now. But the people upstairs tell me that Steven gets a pass once again. And so, despite my strongly worded email in opposition of the ruling, 
I've been asked to break in again to set some facts straight. Now, just a moment ago, Stephen said that Colossus shot an energy beam through the wall. Colossus shot an energy beam. First off, anybody with any passing comic book knowledge knows that Colossus doesn't have that ability. Not unless he's firing some sort of gun or something. But why would he do that? This man is super strong and coated in organic steel armor. He ain't got no need for guns. Second, Stephen's talking about issue number four of the X-Men from March of 1964. Now, Colossus doesn't join the team until giant-size X-Men number one in May of 1975, which, by my account, is well over a decade later. No, I believe what happened here is that Steven meant to say that Cyclops fired that energy beam through the wall and not Colossus. Because upon reviewing the issue in question, that's exactly what happened. Maybe one day Steven will slow down a bit and think about what he's saying before he says it. That way these little accidents won't continue to happen. Until then, we here at the FOPE will continue to monitor this podcast and do our duty by bringing you the facts and not the word salad that tends to spew forth from this particular podcast's often confused brain. We now return you to the show. Thank you. But then suddenly Colossus from the other room shoots an energy beam through the wall. A powerful energy beam, Magneto says, sweeping the chamber. Duck, you fools. Cyclops is attacking. Cyclops bursts into the room. He fires his energy beam at two guards and it causes them to roll away. They're literally doing somersaults away from them just because he's shooting at them. He, he shot him with his energy beam and it pushed them off of their feet and caused them to do somersaults away from them. Cyclops then starts fighting everybody. Quicksilver speeds around behind him, takes a hold of him from behind, causing his optic blast to fire into the ceiling where the generator is located above them. The generator falls through the ceiling and like generators are known to do when they fall through a ceiling, it basically cracks open and all the energy from it, all the current just runs out of this freaking generator and starts chasing them down the hallways. <laughs> Before anyone could move, Cyclops' out-of-control high-intensity blast strikes the ultra-powerful electric generator, tearing it from its moorings, and one million volts of deadly current run wild through the castle, menacing all within. As they're running away, Scarlet Witch, I'm assuming that's who it is, it looks like Scarlet Witch, says, Run! If the current hits us, we're doomed! They are able to use this time to... Well, Cyclops is, is trying to untie Angel, but the current is coming at them. It's, it's going to fry them. And so he shoots the generator again with his optic blast and blows the generator through the wall outside. And it almost lands on Iceman, who's standing outside. He is attacking in his way, and that's when the generator almost falls on him. He creates an ice slide, and the generator slides away. And then, using his powerful ice powers, he creates an ice ladder and climbs the wall. Minutes later, after he unties Angel, the optic blast that Cyclops had used was so powerful that it knocked him out. He's laying on the ground, he's unconscious, and Bobby creates ice to revive him. But this picture, oh boy, it looks like he's trying to kill him. It literally looks like he, I mean, he's he's got just handfuls of snow and ice and he's just shoving it in Scott's face. He's just, it looks like he's trying to kill him. It looks like he's trying to smother him with ice and snow, so much so that he could literally drown laying there on the floor. But 
Instead, it revives him, and the three of them go running down the hallway, Iceman, Angel, and Cyclops, when suddenly a plaque with weapons beneath it fly off the wall and just fly at them, and you're thinking... Oh, I bet that's Magneto. No, it was Jean Grey. It was Marvel Girl. She thought they were soldiers and she launched the stuff at them. And so she apologizes. Suddenly a fire erupts in the hallway and starts chasing them down the hallway and they're all running from it and they're all panicking and they think they're going to die. And suddenly Professor X is there wheeling his wheelchair through the flames and he tells them that he sensed their panic. And so he came to help them. And he realized with his terribly powerful mental powers that the flames were just an illusion created by Mastermind. Well, Magneto at this point realizes that he's he, he's beat. There's nothing he's going to be do he's going to be able to do. They're going to have to flee. So he he turns on a nuclear bomb. He has it on a timer. He's going to blow up the island. He's going to blow up the X-Men and of course he's going to kill I think it's an island. They don't I don't I don't think they quite say it. it he's basically going to blow up the town. Everybody in this town is going to die. Quicksilver is not that happy about it. Neither is Scarlet Witch, but Quicksilver is the one who is very outspoken about it. You know, you're going to kill a lot of innocent people. And Magneto's like, so? They're homo sapiens. They are our enemy. And he also rigs up a bomb to the door of the chamber that they're in, that they're getting ready to escape from in case the X-Men try to get in. The X-Men come running at the at the door. Beast is ahead of them, and he's about to jump and open the door up, and Professor X senses that there's a booby trap on the door, and he, he manages to wheel himself forward so fast that he launches himself out of the chair ahead of Beast, in front of Beast, and slams into the door. The door explodes... And knocks out Professor X. Well, the bad guys escape, but not before Quicksilver runs back into the room, disarms the nuclear bomb, and then escapes with the rest of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Scott is about to chase after them when Iceman reminds him that the Professor needs them. Professor X, Scott says, I almost forgot. And he's lying there on the floor. And (laughs) Iceman asks, how is he? Jean Grey says, he's alive, but something terrible has happened. And the beast says, his brain seems to be affected. Scott's reply is, his brain? But that's his greatest weapon. Leave me, Professor X says. I'm no good to you anymore. The explosion deadened my mutant mental power. I can no longer read minds or throw my thoughts. Go after the evil ones. Forget me. Scott responds with, forget you, sir. Never. We can't desert you when you need us the most. And so the evil mutants flee, leaving the X-Men to ponder what their future will be without Professor X to lead them. He trained us, one of them says. I'm assuming it's Hank. I can't really tell. He trained us. Now we must prove worthy of that training. We shall not fail him. The end. Leaderless. Forced to fend for themselves, can the five mutant teenagers meet a renewed threat by the powerful evil mutants? Don't miss our next great issue. And that's how it ends. It was fun. It was a fun, silly, crazy story. Scarlet Witch didn't have too much to do in this issue. I mean, again, I read it for just for her first appearance. All we know about her after this issue is that she once lived in a small European village. 
She's got mutant hexing powers that she points at something and something bad happens. That's that's really all the explanation you get about her powers. She was dubbed the Scarlet Witch by a villager. She's just a Scarlet Witch. We must burn her at the stake. And her brother is Petro Quicksilver, who is super fast. Magneto saves saves her from the village. And that's, again, that's it. That's all we know. We don't know anything else about her. But it was fun. It was a fun little story. Um, the art was pretty good. I mean, it's Jack Kirby. It's very much art of the times. It's very 60s. Scarlet Witch's little headdress that she wears is freaking huge. It it uh it's just, it's just this huge freaking headdress and her, it's very 60s. Her hair is very 60s. There's there's nothing not 60s about this entire story. And the fact that Magneto who will later become pretty much one of the most powerful mutants ever. The fact that his big plan is to steal a, an old freighter that has a bunch of guns on it and use it to take over a small town in South America in a, I guess, the, his first step to taking over the world. It just seemed he really didn't do anything. His, he didn't do anything as far as using his powers. He he created a magnetic field so that two normal dudes couldn't get out of an office. He did use his powers to drive the ship all the way home or sail the boat, however you want to say it. Um, but he really didn't use his powers for much else. He he was fairly ineffectual this entire issue, which I found kind of weird because he is known nowadays, heck, he's been known for the last 30 years as just this incredibly powerful big bad who is not an easy guy to take out. And uh, it the X-Men don't really have to work that hard to chase off the entire brotherhood of evil mutants. I'm glad I read it. It's a piece of history, comic book history that was missing from my brain. Who knows how long it'll stay up there? Probably not too long, but that's it. That's the show, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. Join me over at my Patreon, patreon.com slash Stephen R. Or for as little as a dollar a month, you can get my other podcast called My Other Podcast. And that's a show where I talk about books and such that I don't have time to talk about here on Just Another Fanboy. You get exclusive stuff over there. People, I play some of those episodes every once in a while over here on Just Another Fanboy, but not as many. I mean, I'm up to, I'm, I'm getting close to 200 episodes over there, just like I'm, I'm, I'm getting close to 200 episodes here. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing stuff. You can also buy me a coffee over at coffee, ko-fi.com. All those links will be in the show notes. If you want to support me, but you don't want to make a monthly payment, yeah, head on over and buy me a coffee or buy me two coffees or buy me a thousand coffees, you know, however many coffees you want to buy me. That's a one-time thing, just to throw a little support my way. You can also just go out and tell everybody about the show. Tell your mom, tell your mom's mom, tell the guy working the counter at the local quick shop or quick stop or whatever your local convenience store is named. Tell the whoever it is that grooms your dog if you have a dog. Tell your dog. Tell your dog to tell all your dog friends. If you're more of a cat person, probably don't want to tell the cat. Cats don't really care. They got their own thing going on. But just spread the word, Thunderbird. Until then, my name is Steven, and I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. Wear a mask. Stay safe.
Daddy. Good job. You really don't have an excuse. You can give me a home, Corshman. I don't have an excuse. You really don't have an excuse. Go off. Go off. To which perf. To which professor X. To which professor X. I was unaware of any nautical artillery. I was unaware of any nautical all. I was unaware of any nautical or good lord, I can't say that artillery. I was unaware of any nautical artillery. Crap, old artillery. I find your illusions as repulsive as I find your illusion. There was something just digging at his craw. He just he couldn't even admit her. Uh, before anyone can move, Cyclops' is out of control, high intensity blast strikes the ultra powerful and then escapes with the rest of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. The Mutants! And uh, it, the, the X Men don't really have to work that hard to chase off the entire Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. I did it again. Mutants! Mutants! The X Men! Blah! Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 